0: Blue
1: Liar. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato, recording on a late night tonight, Thursday, it feels almost like the regular season time to me, Nick. We're recording at this hour. This is usually the hour reserved for our reaction podcast, which I think is some of our most fun content. Maybe not our best because it's not as technical and it's not film-based, but We've had some really good fun ones last year week, too, when I brought my brother on. I remember that one, both of us drunk in Austin angry at that stupid penalty that gave them the field goal oh, i don't even want to think about that game but we're recording at night some of our best content comes at night. And tonight was going to be different i mean like i had some fun plans we'll end up doing these nick next week it's a dead week before the season i want to do a giants breakouts podcast that i think it's going to be i'm sorry giants bold predictions podcast and the giants breakouts bus sleepers podcast kind of taken from the fantasy world but just kind of giving our little in-depth takes on the roster. but tonight there's news there's a lot of freaking news so we got to get to all that nick so We'll start that in a moment, but first of all, how are you doing, my
2: friend? Doing well, but it was a hectic day on Giants Twitter, man. Totally blindsided by the big piece of news that we're about to go over.
1: Yeah, we certainly are. And so let's start right there with the big piece of news. Out of literally nowhere, it seems like at least. Though if you read like some of what Art Stapleton was reporting, and if you kind of looked at the tea leaves, as in like why the hell was Blake Martinez on the field against the Jets, Blake Martinez was cut and he was released today. Despite the fact that the Giants have, I would say, Nick, we were talking about this for the podcast. I haven't looked at all 32 rosters. I can't imagine there's a worse looking inside linebacker group across the NFL. It seems just impossible to me that a team could have possibly built out a worse inside linebacker group than Tay Crowder, Micah McFadden, a rookie fifth round pick. And whatever the hell else is going to end up playing there, which I don't even want to say yet because I feel like it's so non-confirmed and it's so fluid and it could even change day to day. There might even be some new dude they bring in. It's like the three, the LB three, or even the LB two over Micah or something like that. Is Tay even an LB one to me? Tay's been awful on tape for two straight years. He's had some of the lowest grades pro football focus. I constantly remember him just shooting gaps and missing and picking the wrong gaps over and over and over again. He's not necessarily good in pass coverage, he's okay. And as a blitzer, I guess that's his one saving grace. That's your I'll be one. It's just crazy to me that this is they're at the point here with Blake Martinez where they made a decision to cut him, Nick, despite all this at the linebacker position. So that I guess was the biggest surprise to me, just what's left at linebacker with that decision. But as we kind of read through these tea leaves and you can go over them now, if you want, it starts to feel like there were some reasons. Maybe we don't know behind this decision.
2: I think so. I think Blake Martinez went to management and said that he would probably like to be released. I mean that that's you look at it okay. I don't know if the the whole Blake Martinez not being voted a captain thing factored into this at all. I can't imagine that's a huge huge deciding factor in Blake Martinez possibly wanting off the team if that is the case. But then he takes the personal day and missed practice and yesterday's practice comes back today. And like you said, he played in that Jets game. And I was like, why is this guy coming off the ACL? He's maybe just, you know, getting back up to speed. And then today we find out that he's released. And according to ESPN's Jordan Ronan, it was a mutual release. I think maybe, Dan, he just looked at this situation and said, Wink Martindale doesn't typically allocate a lot of snaps to one specific linebacker last year, Patrick Queen, he did play 17 games and he played over 800 snaps. But there was only one player on that entire defense that played over a thousand snaps. Now, if Marlon Humphrey and a lot of those cornerbacks were healthy, I'm sure there would be more than just one player. But Wink Martindale likes to rotate quite a bit. Patrick Queen, for all of his faults, he is a totally different athlete than someone like a Blake Martinez. I don't think Blake Martinez is just complete dust or anything like that. And I think he could have fit in with what Wink Martindale wanted to do, but maybe it wasn't the ideal fit. Maybe it wasn't the perfect fit. and Maybe it wasn't the best situation for Blake Martinez. And he looked at the entirety of the NFL and he said, I could probably go somewhere else and have better success to give myself a better opportunity to earn a contract next year. So he asked to be released in a situation where the Giants are in a rebuilding team. And I can kind of get that from his perspective. And I kind of think that's what happened. I think you're right. I think,
1: I don't think the captain thing had anything to do with it. I know that's kind of a narrative that's been running with. I think it's simply what you said. He wants more playing time. He wants me in a system that's going to be different than this one. Like, right? Like, we knew A, the snaps were going to be scaled back. B, it's not exactly the best system for his skill set. And C, he might have not even played. As many snaps as in the past, like with this with this current unit, with I guess they like take Crowder more than we think, I I suppose, or maybe they just feel really good about Micah McFadden, or just this idea that they're going to be in so much sub package that these backers really don't, these inside backers are really not playing too much of a huge role. But he probably is like, look, it doesn't cost you guys anything at this point to cut me now. Now there has been a report that's come out since that Dan Duggan said, and we'll talk about it in a second, Nick, because we'll kind of get into the whole. Did Shane make a mistake here? Is this okay on Shane or Is this bad on Shane? Um, but there's been a report that's come out since from Dan Duggan. Like, look, if the Giants had cut him back in March and they hadn't renegotiated the deal, they would have 2.2 million more in cap space. I'll get to why I don't. That doesn't bother me in a in a little bit, Nick. But as far as from his standpoint, he's like, look, you're not going to cost you much to just cut me now. It doesn't cost you anything really. I think it's like 700k. Give me a chance to play somewhere, man. I still believe in myself. I believe I'm a really good fit for a system. You know what you always talk about, Nick, by the way, <laughs> like uh, maybe Quincy Roche was going to get claimed by the Raiders. It would not shock me if he just heads on over to Oakland, or to or Vegas because I don't love their linebacker corp at all. Their corpse, I just called it, their core <laughs> at all. So you don't believe it I keep going back to this, but I don't love their linebacker core at all. And it just comes on there and signs with them, maybe, maybe something like that. But I think that's I think you nailed it, man. And as far as the decision from the Giants standpoint goes, I tweeted about this earlier. Do I think the Giants linebacker unit is worse without even this version of Blake Martinez after the ACL and as a non-system fit? Yes, I do. But for me, that's more of an indictment on Tay Crowder. I don't understand the Crowder hype at all. And I've made that clear. The film has said what it said, and we've seen a lot of it. There's a huge sample size. But I can't get mad at Joe Shane for doing what Dave Gettleman never did. And that's commit to the rebuild. Gettleman continued to try to win while rebuilding. He even came to a point where he said it. He said it in constantly impressors at least twice. He said, I believe there's no reason you shouldn't be able to win and rebuild at the same time. Joe Shane I don't think he believes in that man I really don't from all the moves he's made I think he believes in the traditional style of rebuilding which is we don't really give a crap if we have Blake Martinez or not for this year we're not really going anywhere this year let's get Micah McFadden out there for a lot of snaps and players like Micah McFadden so we can see if there's something for the future so we can know if we can build with them or we have to go out and get more linebackers right because if you have Blake Martinez sucking up snaps this year with no real future as Joe Shane you're thinking at the end of the season like I don't really know what Micah McFadden is because I had Blake Martinez out there for a while and that goes for all of these decisions James Bradbury although that was more just because Gettleman screwed him with the cap I'm sure you would have loved to have a player like him but across the board with all these veteran types Logan Ryan is a great example they wanted McKinney to wear the dot to you know that the dot in it's out they wanted McKinney to be the leader the captain of this defense the play caller and so I can't knock him for doing what Gettleman never did personally
2: it's also circumstantial because maybe there is a way you can rebuild and compete at the same time, but the Giants aren't in that situation right now. And this could be another indication that Joe Shane, he doesn't really believe in the current quarterback situation that's going on. Now that could be a little bit of a reach and, and I understand that, but he might be looking at this as a purely rebuilding type of year. Whereas right now, it's just like, okay we have Daniel Jones. Let's let him compete. We'll put him out there. You know, we'll talk him up. Hopefully he does well. But ultimately, we don't really think that we are in a competitive mode. So let's just give those young guys a chance and also honor what Blake Martinez wants if Blake Martinez did want to be released from the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that also goes hand in hand with what we were saying before, this version of the rebuild. It's not necessarily what some Giants fans have really kind of suggested is the best route, which is let's do everything we can to see if Daniel Jones can be great. That means give him everything around him, the best possible roster. That just may not be the case. Like I hate to break it to people, but it's very possible. Joe Shane is like, we don't really have anything with Daniel Jones. Let's get through this year. Let's play him because what's the point of playing Tyrod Taylor at this point? Nothing really. They still have maybe the thought in their head, like, you never know. Maybe it all clicks for Daniel Jones in year four with a coach like Brian Dable, And then we're they may even look at it like we could be wrong about this and good. I'll be happy to be wrong. Right? Like, but I don't think at the same time they want to double down on it to the point of like doing everything in their power, dipping into future cap space, using future draft picks to trade for this roster to trade for this year. They're not going to do that. That was the past, man. That was the Dave Gettleman error. He did it with Eli, and then he went all in for his final season last year with Daniel Jones, just so ill-advised on both accounts by Gettleman. And that's just not what Joe Shane is going to do. He's proven that. So I'm not going to knock him for that because I've talked about how important process is to me all the time, Nick, and I'm standing by that. I stand by follow the process.
2: And also just think about all of the things Joe Shane has kind of said every time he talks in front of a microphone about how he had no flexibility to really do anything that he really wanted to, to turn over this roster. He mentioned it in today's presser with Brian Dable, how he was like, you know, it was really tough to, to make a lot of moves or make any moves with the current cap situation. And then he always kind of turns and says something along the lines of like, you know, future years, we're going to have money. He like alludes to that. He doesn't just say that outright, which makes you think, hey, there's going to be a lot of changes coming and there's the roster is going to look totally different in coming years, as we would imagine. I'm not saying that he's punting on the year. I think he's going to make the best decisions to maximize the future rather than the now, which is, like you said, the complete opposite of what we saw when Gettleman was here in town. And we'll talk about it on a future pod, probably
1: right before the season starts, Nick. But I'll have to revise my prediction from earlier. And I want people to keep in mind when I made that prediction for the Giants win loss record, it was before the fan fest practice where I got to see Jones live. It was before Shane Lemieux got hurt. It was before both edges got hurt. It was before I really thought and dip in depth about this inside linebacker corp without Blade Martinez, I kind of just expected him to be this every down backer, the only one I could trust. You obviously know how I feel about Tate Crowder now as the LB one. And it was before I got to see a lot of what I'm now seeing with Aaron Robinson, which is giving me a lot of, you know, second guessing. So we'll see where I land there. The schedule's still super easy. I still think Brian Dable gives them an edge. I still think Wink Martindale gives them an edge. So we'll see. But there's been a lot of unfortunately, in my mind at least, bad moving energy. Sadly, just injury, injuries have been just so bad to the Giants. That's really a big factor. Like, even at that time of the, of the fan fest practice, Nick, it was like early in the Tony stuff. Like Tony was just like, ah, he'd only missed like a few days of practice. And he misses the whole freaking offseason. I know he says he's gonna be ready for week one now, which we're gonna get to later on the pod, but good, that's a great sign. But man, what do we talk about all offseason, Nick? This is an offense that's option routes. The co- quarterbacks and receivers have to be on the same page. That was valuable time wasted between Jones and Tony that that, that they just can't get back at this point. They're going to have to just learn on the fly. In addition to us knowing beforehand and hearing whispers that Tony is kind of one of those receivers that needs a little bit more time to get down a system like this. He was a gadget player at Florida. He didn't play all that much in his first season with Giants. So just those things of that nature. But back to the Martinez for a moment, Nick. I do want to say what I think is interesting about this is to me, and you could, I would love to hear your opinion on this, to me – and I know he was originally just signed to the practice squad, though he's coming – he's he's making the roster within days. Or Brett's probably I guess it's after a week. It's after the certain points, not to guarantee the con- – whatever the stupid cap thing is. But to me, this signing means Tony Jefferson – or I'm sorry, this decision to cut Blake Martinez means the Tony Jeff- Jefferson signing is way more important to me because now I want safeties. I want safety depth. I know we're going to see a ton more sub-packages. We're going to see a, a, a more of a mix of dime getting three safeties on the field at once and just doing different things to kind of limit those inside backers and how many you have to put on the field. So now I'm even more excited about the Sheffernan sign. I don't want to get too excited. He's a 30 year old dude, but like he knows the system. He came for cheap
2: and they, at this point, they just need him. and They need bodies. Jason Pinnock, yeah. who the giants claimed off the jets when they were trying to stash him on their practice squad. I think he factors into this too. And this is somebody who played college football at Pitt as a cornerback but he played safety in the NFL on Sala's defense. They run a lot of, you know, two safety read type of stuff where you had to be a quick processor. You have to read the release of the wide receivers, the route distribution, and then stick basically in man coverage. So I think you can, I think he has a real shot to earn some snaps. I mean, they signed him to their 53-man roster. So Tony Jefferson, yeah, I, I agree. I think he could factor into this. But Pinnock is, is strong enough at the point of attack. He's a long player. He's big. He's over 200 pounds. I think he could be one of those guys in big, dime, dollar type of cool. situations that can fill in if something were to happen to Dane Belton. But on those three safety rotations, you know, you're still going to have Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and then Belton. Belton is up to speed. And I think Belton can be a factor because he showed at Iowa, you know, physical Big Ten type football that he could play in the box. But you're going up against Derrick Henry in week one. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got some potent running games, Dan. Do you really want to be aligning, you know, 200, 205 pound players in the box? That's that's something where we might have to see some bigger bodies at linebacker because if not, it can be exploited. That's something I'm going to definitely be monitoring early in the season.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. And I'm I'm excited that you're excited about him coming onto this roster. Just those
2: two bodies, those two players
1: alone will help. They need a depth there. And one more thing on the Blake thing, which we alluded to a little earlier. O- according to Dan Duggan, if Joe Shane could have saved $2.2 million in cap space if they had cut Martinez in March, um, and some people are like, oh, he wasn't a scheme fit, that made sense, bad foresight by, jo- by Shane or whatnot, I-, I just can't get on board with that because if you're Joe Shane and you're looking at your linebacker core and it's Tay Crowder. And at that point you don't have Micah McFadden, right? Like, and you, you, so what, it's like Tay Crowder and you don't have Darren Beavers. What, what if you just have Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez, like, I don't know if you can think, have the foresight to be like, this guy's not going to be a scheme fit. He's not going to come back off the ACL. Right. I feel like you're better off taking the chance on the restructured contract that he gave the giants, Blake Martinez, and seeing if maybe you can, you can hit lightning in a bottle in a sense that like, you know, going in, it's not a great, it's not a great upside play here by any means, but if you cut him now, there's just Tate Crowder, right? So just, I don't know, man, I've, I can't really knock him too much for that.
2: It also just doesn't give you any flexibility going into the draft, right? Right, Because you would go into the draft and you you would be like, yo, we need to get a linebacker because we can't really sign anybody in free agency because we don't have any freaking money. So, and we need to upgrade this offensive line. We can't go into the draft with glaring holes at right guard and glaring holes at right tackle and then also glaring holes at linebacker. So that could have factored into it as well. But I get it, man. It it sucks because the cap situation is so bad that the Giants have been so restricted in any type of savings. You can... You can look at it and be like, why didn't they take that at the time? But man, hindsight, it, it's not always 2020, and I'm not going to sit here and, and cry about it either if you want the
1: kind of 30 second or the you you ever in a conversation with your friends, you're at a party and somebody's defending Dave Gellin, he wasn't that bad. He got unlucky with injuries. Just be like, dude, look at the Giants 2022 roster where they're at right now. And somehow they have no cap space. How is that even possible? That is the best example. That is all you need to say. Just ask them, how is it possible the Giants could have a roster that looks this bad and they're just completely capped out? Because that just doesn't make any sense realistic sense unless you have all this dead cap and you have idiots that are getting paid like Kenny Galladay 20 million whatever it is you got the Rudolph dead cap you got the soldier dead cap toiling over Blake Martinez I mean it's just crazy man and I look at the Blake Martinez cut this is the final one and just how how have much have things changed Nick, we were a year ago and we were doing this too but every oh my god the Giants homers the people who were grasping to straws that you needed to give Gettleman a little bit more time We're just celebrating how great of a job he and Judge did with that 2020 free agent class. And now Martinez is gone, Bradbury is gone, and Logan Ryan is gone. That's how much things have changed in such a short period of time. And it leads me to believe the moral story for me, Nick, is there may never be true wins in free agency. Because the same thing happened with the Giants 2017 class or 2016 class, when Jerry Reese brought in Damon Harrison, Landon Collins, or not Landon Collins, Damon Harrison, Janoris Jenkins, and one other guy that I'm – oh, Olivier Olivier Vernon. Vernon, yeah same exact thing happened there there's just no wins in free agency after 2 years all those contracts are horrible but then you're like looking to cut them or you trade them and then uh-oh now you have all this dead cap that's toiling over and screwing you up for future years so uh, you got it. the good teams just don't do this the ravens are the best example man they don't sign a single damn free agent man all they sign is cut players so they don't count against the compensatory pack compensatory pick formula so what the ravens do is they use the draft and they use their compensatory pick formula to dominate the NFL. They're only signing free agents who are cut. So they're always getting comp picks. They get like an extra third or fourth round pick. They get multiple extra third, fourth, fifth round picks every year. Cause they're not signing any free agents and they're losing big free agents, Matthew Judon players like that. And then they just sign awesome cut guys like, Oh, Kevin Zeitler, come on over. You don't count against the comp formula. You'll play right guard for us. You can still do it. We know we just saw, I don't know why they cut you over there. They have a horrible offensive line, but enjoy play here. And so, it just, the free agency stuff, It's we're, we're seeing so many countless, countless, countless examples. It's not like the Giants are the first team to have this happen with the 2016 class and now the 2020 class. The Redskins, or the football team, the Commanders, whatever the hell they're called now. <laughs> all three, strike All count. three. I hate them all, except for the football team. Um, They were like the king of this in the 90s and the 2000s. They were always the team who was blowing money in free agency and ruining their whole situation. So it is
2: crazy to me how all three of those players are now gone. Yeah, the Ravens also use trades, which helps step out. I believe they traded for Calais Campbell. If they don't want somebody, they trade them, with, like they did with Orlando Brown. If they don't want to pay them, or like they did with Marquise Brown. So that's another huge asset that they use to kind of retool their rosters. That's another thing to keep in mind. Shane, man, he's sharp. Maybe he's going to utilize that as a oh, he as we progress. Yeah, as I we progress. I,
1: yeah, I've lost no confidence in Joe Shane. No confidence in Joe Shane.
2: What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then oddstrader.com is the place for you. Oddstrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Oddstrader offers handicapping, play by play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to OddsTrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's OddsTrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. But let's move on, unless there's anything else on the Blake front. Anything else here? No, not really. It's just gonna be uh it might be ugly, but we'll see. We'll see who they add if they add anybody. Jeez, I don't
1: want to see Tay Crowder out there for a million snaps. Yeah.
2: What I'll say about Tay Crowder, I, I feel like from the little bit we've seen throughout preseason, he he looks quick, man. I, I feel like he's he's a good I would say above average athlete. Not a great yes. athlete, but yes. an above average athlete. It's all in between the ears with Tay Crowder. Yep. And this is a different system and, and things change, roles change, true. gap assignments. They might change, you know, depending on the fronts that are employed by Wink-Martin. Yeah, he'll get the Blitz more. That's something that we've we've kind of praised him for over the years. So maybe yeah. we'll see a, a more reinvented version you of Tay Crowder. You I know, like that really... optimistic outlook, Nick. I really yeah. do, because sometimes systems <laughs> do unlock. No,
1: but it's true. Sometimes systems do unlock players. And maybe I don't think there's any kind of real high ceiling with Tay Crowder. And I know you don't either. I'm not trying to say you do. but There is a possible ceiling for him, and that ceiling, whatever it may be, might be unlocked with a specific system. That system may be this one.
2: So, yes. Maybe maybe it's a glass half full with spoiled milk, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll
1: see. We'll see. All right. Shane Lemieux, Ellerson Smith, Rodarius Williams all placed on IR. I think that was expected. Anything on that? No, no, that was expected. Let's talk about these new additions because we called, what did we say? Our guess was five five new waiver wire claims. What did they make? They're just signing guys left and right, some to the practice squad. They went they're just
2: going nuts and I don't think they're done either. So where do you want to start with these signings? Yeah, so we touched on Panak already, and he was the first one that jumped out when I saw that he was on the waivers and I wrote about him at Big Blue View and I put him actually as the the cover photo. For the article. And then just so happened, the Giants ended up signing him. So I was like, yes, that's good. <laughs> that's a good call right there. And it basically just comes down to his athletic profile, his length and his time back at college playing cornerback, along with the roles that he executed with Robert Salah's defense. Like I said a little bit before, a lot of two raid coverages, a lot of quarters, a lot of reading, a lot of reacting, a lot of man coverage. Basically, you know, the number two receiver releases and he he goes in a direction that you are assignment. You're just attaching to him like a man assignment. So he has that within his toolbox. It's something that he's shown in college when he played with Narduzzi. It's something that he's shown with Sala. So I just looked at him and I felt like he was gonna, going to be a good fit with the Giants at only 23 years old. So I'm glad the Giants got him. And I really like the Jack Anderson addition. We got to see a little bit of Jack Anderson when he played against the Giants for a couple snaps, and then he played in Week I think 18 against the Dallas Cowboys. And I went through his film, and I have a piece dropping tomorrow morning at Big Blue View, just an entire film breakdown. And I really think this this guy could end up starting for the New York Giants. He's a pretty damn good athlete, man. He's fast. He's a former four star recruit. Had offers from Alabama, Penn State, all these big Power Five schools. He ends up going to Texas Tech and plays with Cliff Kingsbury out there in Lubbock. I look at that addition and I say he could be a better starter than someone like a Devry Hamilton. So I, I, I really appreciated the fact that they pursued him and they were able to get him. And plus, Dable knew him from his time in Buffalo as well. So both of those two got me really excited.
1: I love to hear you excited about these these additions, Nick. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about if you're intrigued by the idea that they're kind of following the same pattern we saw earlier this offseason in free agency and then followed through. Obviously, they got unlucky with one with an injury in the preseason, but followed through in the draft, which is competition on the offensive line, throwing different bodies in, bringing in different talents, trying to just, you know, keep swinging, keep throwing those darts. And maybe you hit on something. Are you are you are you excited that they continue along this kind of exact same process and theory? Yeah, I
2: am. And I I mean, I look at it, though, and I'm just like, you want to add the best football players to make your team the most competitive. Right. And I just feel like that's what they are doing. And I don't even look at these situations necessarily in a similar manner because you needed these offensive linemen. We have no idea what's going on with (laughs) Bredesen. Yeah, that's true. So, you had to add offensive linemen. It just so happens that I haven't watched Tyree Phillips yet. They claimed him as well off of Baltimore, yes. who was released. And he was a former, I think, like fourth round pick. Third round pick. Third round pick. Third, third round pick. Okay. And I remember him at Mississippi. games,
1: State. I think, in the last two years.
2: Mississippi State, kid. I'm pretty sure. Yep. I remember him when he came out of the draft. And uh, I was intrigued by him when he came out of the draft, but I haven't seen like much of his NFL film. But the Dak Anderson edition, I, I really I thought he was smart, tough. And dependable whenever he was asked upon, which is, you know, the motto of the current New York Giants. So I'm hoping that he can stick and he can prove himself, you know, there's, it's not going, he's not going to step in there and be Zach Martin or anything like that. I'm not trying to blow him up in that kind of manner. But I do think finding a player like him on waivers is a smart way to kind of retool when you're in a bind. And that's exactly what the New York Giants offensive line is in right now, Dan. They are in a freaking bind with these little injuries, these little nagging injuries, and then the more major injuries like Shane lemieux toe. Okay, putting you on the spot, Flotto.
1: Jack Anderson, Tyree Phillips, Wyatt Davis. Who are you most excited about moving forward?
2: So I'm going to caveat this. I haven't seen Wyatt Davis since his time at Ohio State. You and had I, issues with Wyatt Davis during his time at Ohio State. I remember that. I thought he was, I thought he was okay. I just, I didn't think he was as good as everybody else did. And you nailed it because he was ready cut. Like, come on, you nailed it. Yeah, life. but but I, I still thought like he could be an NFL player, and maybe he can. I, I just don't know what happened at Minnesota. I know a lot of my buddies who cover Minnesota. They didn't speak too highly or too fondly of Wyatt davis and and his time there so we'll have to wait and see but the only one i've gotten my eyes on and evaluated so far has been jack anderson and i and i would say yes for a waiver wire claim i'm definitely excited about that addition we'll see i'm going to watch tyree phillips maybe even tonight after this podcast
1: and i'll say this about all of these claims sure maybe i blew it up a little bit too much a few minutes ago saying oh it's so exciting they're adding all this death and competition But let's just talk about it from a process standpoint for a second. Last year, the Giants were in a very similar predicament at the left guard position and in some ways at the center position. But let's just say at the left guard position for now. What did they do? They panicked and they traded B.J. Hill and a draft pick for a player who is now out of the NFL. That was what the Gettleman boys did. Now, what the Shane boys did is they add, they look at waivers, they find something intriguing like Jack Anderson, and they say, look, you know, it didn't work out for Wyatt Davis, but he's a former third-round pick. Oh, Tyree Phillips. oh, he's a former third-round pick who has actually started in the NFL, coming from the best program in the NFL with the most depth in the NFL roster-wise, the Ravens. So it's just such a different process, and this one is just so much better because you're not giving up anything. You're not trading a pick. You're not trading a player like B.J. Hill. You're just signing these guys off the waivers full free, and you're seeing – if something happens, you're throwing those darts, you're getting free spaces,
2: free darts. So to me, that was what. that's probably my biggest takeaway. And Jack Anderson also, Dable has mentioned this. He's played all three of the interior offensive line position throughout his time in playing football. He played a lot of right guard at Texas Tech. And then last year for Philly, he played left guard and center. So he has center experience, which I feel like is something maybe we don't talk about enough. Like this team doesn't have a true center. Like John Feliciano is a guard. He played center, you know, so that's, that's, that's a problem. Nick Gates, we have no idea if he's going to come back this season. Matt Parrott, we'd imagine he'd come back eventually, but that's a tackle situation. And I feel, you know, okay about him being a swing tackle, but this offensive line, we're very excited about it, Dan, rightfully so, because last year was tragically bad, but it's still not great. It's still not a great situation right now
0: oh,
1: we
2: could be totally screwed. If this left guard gets situation gets worse
1: and the center's no good, we could be screwed. But I don't want to get there because I'm so excited about Neil and I'm so excited about just the stability of a Golinski type and then another step from Thomas that I'm not there yet. I'm still optimistic there. But I will say this, Nick, I am excited for the day, the time and day when it comes where we do draft a really interesting center to me in this last class the only value play and i thought he was a great value and so did you was luke fortner out of kentucky who we both freaking loved and he went a little earlier than we expected because that's just happening now with centers the same thing happened with the dude from the broncos the year before who we love creed humphrey or not the broncos the chiefs creed humphrey who was from oklahoma he went a little earlier than people were projecting to people were starting to be like you know what pivots important I'll pay a little bit of a higher price. And I want the giants to get to that point. I didn't love any of the values except for Fortner, but you know what? Fortner's already apparently looking great in Jack's camp. So we'll, we'll see if that carries over, but yeah. I am excited to finally get some kind of stability at the pivot and a young
2: upside play. Yeah. Someone like cam Jurgens went probably a little bit before than a lot of yes. people imagine, but he's someone who could really work out, especially in Philadelphia. I trust Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff to find ways to utilize him similarly to what, how they utilize Jason Kelsey in terms of Humphrey. I thought he should have went higher. He he was felt. to I think like mid second round, I thought he should have been a first round pick, man. He was one of my favorite players coming out that year.
1: I agree. And I, and I feel like you're probably right about that, but it just, I meant more so. Typical, traditional NFL letting centers fall in the draft, that type of thing. I'm not so sure if the if those days are still around. I think you might be right. Those days may just be over. If there's that one or two really ideal centers, they're going high. I mean, we saw it this year with Linderbaum. Some people thought he should have went higher. I, I personally wasn't one of them. But Fortner, great value at the pick he went. and when, I mean, You know, there will be guys like this in next year's class. The Giants don't have a million picks, but I'll be definitely interested in them getting a center. Anything else in the new additions, or do you want to talk about some other notes before we wrap up?
2: So I think we should probably go over the names that we haven't mentioned yet. Yep. So the Giants, they, if you want to talk about just adding bodies to a position group, the I would corner. say it's the cornerback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're <laughs> like, but they're like, fuck it. We got nothing. Just, Excuse my language. We just need to keep throwing bodies. Exactly. So they added Justin Lane, who I remember evaluating coming out of Michigan state. And he was a third round I pick back in twenty. Yeah. 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 Third round pick back in 2019, still only 24 years old and he's a long player, six foot, hundred ninety two 192 pounds. I haven't really evaluated his film. I saw a couple clips here and there of him making solid plays through the catch point, things like that, making nice tackles in space, but I don't really know too much about him. So I'll probably move on to Nick McLeod, six foot, one, 192 pounds. He's a former golden domer who was with Buffalo last year as an undrafted free agent. So these guys are all going to battle for snaps. And that's like the interesting thing thing that i'm looking at because you look at this cornerback room rodarius williams goes to ir you have aaron robinson and a dory jackson and i think aaron robinson is going to be given the opportunity to lose the job i think he'll be given an entire game basically unless he's just getting absolutely torched and cooked out there and then you could maybe go with a justin lane or a mcleod or something like that gross yeah exactly it's not a great situation (laughs) they they also added henry mondo to the to the practice squad, who's a defensive lineman, 26 years old, six foot five, 280 pounds, and then Charles Wiley, who's like an edge rusher coming out of UTSA. I, I remembered his name. He's a rookie, but I-, I don't really, I don't think I did an evaluation on him. The fact that it's not, I'm not recalling it. It's probably accurate that I did not. Then obviously Wyatt Davis, who we brought out, was also signed to the practice squad, and there's upside there, right? He's mean. <laughs> He'll finish. You. He can run block, but I remembered he had a lot of technical issues in terms of hand usage, leverage, and things like that back in college. And maybe that hasn't been corrected because it couldn't stick with the Vikings. So that was what I believe are all the all the uh, guys that the Giants claimed off waivers. They stashed some of them on their practice squad, or did they just signed after they were released. And, I mean, that's a that's a decent amount of new faces from training camp. So we'll, we'll see how it all kind of meshes together. I think the first couple weeks of the season is going to be fun to, to watch as the Giants try to plug and play and, and figure out what the heck they're doing with their personnel.
1: And just one more note, Nick, on this idea of like bringing in all these new faces from training camp. It's a very different approach than the Joe Judge and even before Judge at all of the Gettleman era where they're like, you know, we want to keep all these back end guys. We believe in their special teams value, yada, yada. Now it's it almost feels like Shane's prioritizing throwing a lot of darts, trying to get new faces and new talent in and seeing if anything sticks for the future looking long term. Approaching this season like what it should be in in a lot of people's minds, a rebuild year for what's left
2: of this roster. So that intrigues me. You know what I speculate sometimes? I wonder how much the pandemic affected the Giants' ability and Joe Judge's ability to, to maybe do what you just said. Cause I remember back yeah. then, I, like I, I just, I'm not hundred percent certain of that, but I, I remember back then it was a lot more strict with traveling and things like that. And I wonder if, if they would have done things differently or maybe they went a more conservative route, which is definitely <laughs> the uh, Joe judge special and went with guys that they knew instead of maybe trying out different players and, and, you know, flying people across the country and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting point. Um, and something to think about from that standpoint, I, I will say this as far as Justin Lane goes, I just got to be honest with you, Nick. My guess is if you're six foot two with that kind of ideal length and you're just getting cut, you're probably not going to make it the NFL level because I know teams see a six foot two corner and they're going to give him every single chance to stick on that roster because it's so rare to have that kind of length at that position. So I hope I'm wrong about that. I do remember him out of Michigan state. My guess is he ain't going to be the answer. We'll see what yeah, happens dude. there.
2: And you're right, man, because this dude has over 80 inch wingspan, Same. 33 inch arms, like-, it's like a built out of a lab yeah he's just under 66 one and three fourth 192 pounds and i gotta watch his tape i gotta figure out exactly what this is because he also has like incredible explosive testing like 70th percentile vertical jump with a 37 and a half 37 and a half is respectable 70th percentiles like whatever but then 134 inches in the broad jump 97th percentile like that's that's some unique explosiveness right there so let's try to dive into this dude and see what, what happened to him and why he's not a stealer anymore
1: yeah, for sure. All right. Let's talk about a few other things. We'll wrap this up shortly. I want to first talk. This stood out to me, Nick. Did you get a chance to check out an absolutely just downright painful interview with Kenny Galladay today?
2: You know what? I have not gotten to that one. No. I watched right. the uh, Dable Pressers and with, with Shane.
1: Let me just get to this. This just got so awkward. So it started with. And them talking to Kenny about if he saw, if he heard about what was going on with the play, you know, the tw- the play that blew up on Twitter where he wasn't blocking. And he essentially, I don't need to go, I'm not going to go time for time, but he's like, he broke it down. He's like, look, I saw it. Initially, I have to tempo off the line of scrimmage a little bit because I can't be an illegal man blocking downfield because there was a screen early on. So, is going to do a screen behind the ball. Ball bounced to the left. It was either that or I was going to potentially block in the back or hold. I was already out of position. So, like, so it was more being out of position. He's like, no, it was more so I tempoed off the ball just because you have to wait until the ball got there in case there was an RPO. Like, so then it's like, first of all, you just dunked on them. They're like, oh, you're out of position. He's like, no, dude, like, and you broke this down earlier. We need to go back into this, but I'm with you. Like, we we both were not outright raged by that play whatsoever. But then it just got so awkward, dude. They're like it's a perception that you're not into football right now. It's more, is it more in your own head? Or what is all that stuff about? He's like, who said I'm not into it? They go, it seems to be a perception. You don't show. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to be yourself. That's what I'm asking. Like, who the frick says that? He's like, no offense. But like, he's like, that's what I'm doing. He's like, they're they're like, whoever's supposed was it's like, is this yourself? It's like, yeah, I'm being myself. It's like, do you think they said, if you think if you have more success and the team has more success, your natural self will come out. It's like, dude, I'm pretty sure if I was out there catching touchdowns or just grabs, I don't know. But I think you guys would be saying out there that I'm showing emotion. He's like, they're like, how much do you hear the noise? It's like, I'm not paying attention. It
2: was just like such a weird interview, man. The, the Gallaudet situation has gotten so weird. It's gotten very weird, and we we said that on the podcast. Like that was that was dumb to to get outraged about that one play because there were so many things going on. I, I'm not going to fault Kenny Galladay for that. What you can fault Kenny Galladay for is the fact that he's not producing. And Joe Shane revealed today that he actually had a procedure. I don't think he actually revealed the ex- extent of the procedure or exactly what it was, but that was a reason why he missed some of the early off season back in the spring and why he was not on the practice field back then. So maybe that's something else that could be hindering him. Look, we watched the tape. He doesn't look explosive. He never really looked overly explosive, but he definitely looks like he lost his step. And you have guys like Jordan Ronan saying that he looks like he's running routes, the stiffness of a mannequin. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, dude, this guy is just catching strays all over the place and but you know what he's not producing man he's not producing at the end of the day you have to produce in this game with that type of contract you're going to get called out some of it's unfair but at the end of the day bro you have to produce and hopefully the giants can do something get him in the end zone against Tennessee man try to right. use that big body but uh, you can't run the offense through a guy like this you can't you can't yeah. force it you know you, you can't you have to use Saquon Barkley and if Kadarius Tony is healthy which we'll get into here in a little bit then Then you have to focus on Kadarius and and Saquon and Kenny Galladay has to be like a third, fourth option, which is crazy when he's making $72 million.
1: (laughs) That's the reality that they're in. And unfortunately, that situation right now, anything I thought it was pretty lame. Did you take anything away from the Joe Shane presser? That was interesting.
2: Not just that what I what I what I said yeah, about that was Kenny. actually
1: decently interesting with that because we didn't know that. I'd say the only other interesting part was they asked him why he kept seven wide receiver and he's like, "Look, I got Brian Dable here." <laughs> and I was just saying, like, was like, "Yeah, we're going five wide," and I just I it, it we're not gonna we're not gonna see probably too much of that, but we might see some four wide, which we haven't seen too much of in the past. But it really is going to be such a nice welcome for me man such a nice welcome change in the offensive philosophy this doesn't mean it's definitely going to work i'm not sitting here saying it's definitely going to work i personally will ne- will never subscribe to this pass offense is going to definitely work until we upgrade quarterback but it's going to be give us a better chance to move the ball it just has to this is the modern nfl you can run better against lighter boxes you give yourself a better chance when you pass more often and more importantly when you pass more often on early downs and on obvious run situations so I just took that as the only takeaway for me. One other thing I wanted to get to before we wrap up with a couple questions from the list from a listener would be um did you see anything about this
2: Logan Ryan grievance from your from your girl Pat Trainer? I did see an article post and I remember actually hearing about that I think a couple of weeks ago, but what's the new news on it?
1: Yeah, the news is that he filed a grievance against the Giants, and this is a big thing going on because it's still it's ongoing, and it's a matter of one point two million in cap space. Now, normally, that doesn't mean much to any of these teams. To the New York Giants, with Dave Gettleman's forty two million of dead cap space. Let me repeat that: forty two million in dead cap space that he's accrued for this current roster. We're dealing with we're paying forty two million for players to not be on the roster right now. Thanks, Dave. But in this situation, that 1.2 sadly means a lot. It might make the difference of if the Giants have to push further cap hit back and restructure Leonard Williams, which is the last thing I want to do. I do not want to push more dead cap to later years with Leonard Williams. That's what got him in this situation in the first place. Doing that with the soldiers, doing that with the gall the weird galladay structure of the contract where it was only 2.4 million against the cap last year. So they could front load all those so they could get in the Kyle Rudolph's and all the trash they put on that roster. So like I, it might make a difference, sadly, in the current situation. I don't know enough about the cap to say it definitely will, but hopefully in this situation, Nick, they can get that one point two million back.
2: We're going to look back on this in like two years and be like, dude, do you remember when we couldn't spend any money? And I still even have to look at what Joe Shane did in the offseason and say he did the best with what he could by getting someone like Lewinsky. Like, And and we're talking about Mark Lewinsky here, and and that's no knock on Mark Lewinsky. He's a a serviceable, above-average starting guard, better as a run blocker than he is a pass blocker. But hearing that we signed Lewinsky back then, made me be like, yes, like, like that's what I'm getting really excited about at that
1: point. Because <laughs> yeah, I, you just went through a season of watching Will Hernandez and West Martin and Matt Skir
2: on film at guard. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's a, it's going to be a process here. It's going to be a process. Giants might not be that good this year. They, They really yeah. realistically might not be even with the schedule, but, you know, we'll talk about that in the coming days. Yeah, we may have to review that
1: prediction. All right, let's wrap up with a couple questions from a buddy, a listener of the podcast, and I like him a lot. Greg, Keola, I'm doing the Italian version. I think he's – Keola's Italian, right? Uh,
2: yeah. I think it would be pronounced Cheola if
1: it was oh, Italian. Cheola. Okay, interesting. All right, Greg Cheola. He says, are we discounting the value of Matt pert as a swing tackle and Gates? Nick Gates as some IOL depth. I assume they will return at some point this season and both seem to be better options than most of what's on the current roster.
2: I don't I wouldn't be certain that Gates is going to return this season. That that one, I'm. that was a really devastating injury, and I hope that he can, but I wouldn't put money on that. I'm not saying that he won't. I, I don't have any inside information, but that's one where I'm just going to say, hey, if he's here, that's a bonus but we can't count on it. Whereas Parrot, I would imagine Parrott would be back. That was a late season ACL injury. And typically it takes, you know, a little bit less nowadays than a year, but it it fluctuates. Some people ACLs don't heal as quickly as others, depending on the severity of the injury. But yeah, I I think hopefully we can get Parrott back. Cause I think he would be a better swing tackle than anybody. The giants have on this roster currently. And that includes Devery Hamilton. Yeah.
1: I think Nick nailed this one. I,
2: I want Gates to come back,
1: but that injury was so devastating. It might not be the case. I know Alex Smith came back from a similar injury for one year with the with the football team, but I'm just never going to call them Commanders. I don't care. It's so stupid. Such a stupid name. They should have been the Hogs. There's just so many better names. But anyway. Um, The Hogs. (laughs) No, there wasn't a Hogs. There was a a good one that was like the Hogs that somebody predicted as like a name, like a hot, whatever. Anyway, Parrot. Yeah, there is a little bit of hope for Parrot with a coach like Bobby Johnson, who's already seemingly working better magic than we've seen from our last three Rob sales and Mark Columbo's and the googly emos of the world because of what we saw in the preseason where all these three units were doing well, despite all the injuries We're doing pretty well, I should say again, against some backup defenses. Unfortunately, I really wish the Giants had played some first team defenses this preseason. Nick, it's weird how the schedule worked out where they got the two teams that just didn't want to play any starters at all with the Pats and the Bengals until the Jets came in. But um anyway, Parrott definitely profiles as a potential guy that we should keep an eye on in my mind because I'm with you. There's so much more upside to him as a swing tackle than anything else they have on the roster. All right, let's wrap up here with this, Nick. Are we under and from Greg again? Are we underestimating the amount Dable and Kafka want to hide in this offense from the media at open practice and in the preseason? Early on, we started getting awesome reports of unique usage for Tony, Wandale, but then. They stopped the media and fan videos and they enforced it pretty hard at practice. I feel like there's lots of cool stuff cooking and maybe even some health updates going on inside the facility that we can't see.
2: Yeah. I think you could be honest something. I think we've, talked about that an okay amount on the podcast saying like look this is just preseason they're not going to tip their hand and, and show all the tricks in their trade and we saw the cool little end around of wandel robinson which isn't the most extravagant or complex play but still one that went for 11 yards with chris myrick lead blocking i think we're going to see more you know rpos more creative rpos we saw a lot of rpos during the preseason maybe we'll see a little bit more complex rpos but yeah for sh- for sure though gregory i think that we're going to probably see a little bit more once week one comes and they don't want to fully tip their hand
1: yeah Gregory has his detective hat on here and I kind of like it Greg I think you are uncovering some stuff because it is interesting they did shut down the videos at practice and you know they were very secretive with it so and I I, I've stayed true with this the whole time I have so much hopes and so much expectations for what Dable and Kafka are going to bring from a schematic standpoint to this offense and partially yes some of that is because I've been so I've been stuck seeing so much Garrett for the last two years, and it's such a nice like, opposite type of feel, but I do have high expectations for these two from a schematic standpoint, and we'll see if they they can live up to them, but yeah, I kind of think you might be on something here.
2: And Dan, one other player the Giants are bringing in for a workout, another defensive back, go figure, right? Cornerback Fabian Moreau out of UCLA. He was drafted back in 2017, a third round pick by Washington, and he started. Last year for Atlanta, not the best secondary, of course, but played over a thousand snaps, can play the slot, can play outside. So we'll see if he actually sticks onto the practice squad or earns a roster spot. Because we know, as we've said several times in this podcast, Dan, this secondary needs some bodies who have experience and can play some football.
1: Yeah, at least he has the sample size of experience. So that one's somewhat intriguing to me for sure. All right, let's wrap it up there, Nick. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. We're not taking the off week off, though. There is going to be an off week of no football next week. Or I guess that's this week. Sorry. That's going into this Labor Day weekend. We got football coming up pretty soon. So we're going to do some fun pods to, right before the season to wrap this uh, preseason up. But thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.